a privilege to be here again. Uh, the teens are in the other room right now, Brother Patrick Medjumundi, one of our interns. He's continuing a series that they're doing in there. And right after I'm done, we're actually going to have a, a meeting with the uh, concerning teen camp. So I'm pretty excited about what's going to happen there. But I won't uh, dwell upon that. We are continuing our lesson from two weeks ago. We didn't finish our series. So if you happen to have your, your notes from two Wednesdays ago, we did not finish. I think we left on, let's see here, point number eight is where we left off. I'm going to do a quick review, very, very brief review. And I'm not going to fill in all the notes if you weren't here. This is your first time. So if you're missing blanks from the previous weeks, you're going to have to get them from someone else. Or you can come see myself after the service if you'd like. Um, so I'm just going to uh, quickly go through them. You may not get all the blanks, and that's not really the purpose of it. It's just to get us back on track as to where we were. And the first thing last week we uh, talked about, of course, the series, we're calling it the mobile phone and the Christian home. Because... Internet technology is just not what it was, uh, and it actually wasn't uh, a couple decades ago. And now it's here before us, and we are we need to we need to be careful with this, especially when it comes to our children, and especially when it comes even to ourselves. Uh, so we looked at Ephesians chapter six and verse one. If you could turn there, Ephesians chapter six and verse one. I know we are very familiar with this. Kids don't want to admit it, but they know this verse too. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 1. Excuse me. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 1. Bible says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise that it may be well with thee, and that thou mayest live long on the earth. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. We're going to come back to verse 4 in just a little bit, but I'd like to open up with a word of prayer and ask God to bless our service this evening and uh, give me the words to say. So let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for today. Thank you for allowing me the privilege to teach this course and Though I may not be the best uh, person to speak on this matter, I pray that you would give me the words and you would give me the ability to speak what needs to be said. Thankful for those that have studied hard, that have written so much resources, and which are the resources I'm giving out today. So thankful for knowledgeable men who have taken the time to protect the family and to look ahead and see the dangers that may be coming down the road. So Lord, give us wisdom today. Help us to do our parts. Uh, we pray in your name. Amen. So, first thing we talked about two weeks ago was, number one, training teens is a full-time job and requires total commitment by the father and mother. This is not a part-time job. This is a full-time job. And I told the story of how my, uh, our son, he got... Uh, remember he swallowed something and we had to figure out what it was and we looked away for just a second and there he goes and parents you look away for just a second and your kids could be swallowing on something uh, sinful, something they're not supposed to. Sometimes it's out of ignorance. Sometimes they don't realize they're swallowing it. I don't think Titus, had he known, if I swallow this, I'm going to be choking for the next hour. I'm going to go to the emergency room. They're going to strap me to a chair. They're going to run a scan across. They're going to make sure. I don't think that was going through his mind when he swallowed. I wish he had thought about that. <clears throat> but 10-month-year-olds usually only think about one thing, and that's 
the, the moment, the now, that looks good and I'm going to swallow it. And that's, sometimes that happens even to good teens, to good kids, even young kids. They, it's it, out of ignorance, they look at something, they open something, they download something, they observe something. And that's the parent's job to make sure that they, that they, out of ignorance, don't accidentally fall into something they're not supposed to. So that's a full-time job. We must be careful. Uh, the parents must be involved constantly, and that's the key. Uh, number two, we talked about training begins in infancy. It begins right away. Uh, many times we start too late in life. Our teen becomes rebellious, and then we bring them to church and have ask the youth pastor or the pastor to fix them. you got to start right when they're born, right away. That's where it begins. Number three, training teens requires gaining and keeping their hearts. If you, As a parent, if you have their hearts... And you know what you know what their likes or dislikes are. You know where their heart is. Then you can control through God's help. You can control their hearts, and hopefully, God is the one that's controlling their hearts. But we must keep their child's heart. And we talked all about this a couple weeks ago. Number four, training teens requires being a disciplinarian. There needs to be rules. There needs to be regulations. There needs to be a leash of some sort. They should not be allowed to roam free. And uh, parents need this too. This is where. as Christians, we have the Lord that look upon us to judge us when things uh, go sour, go wrong. But even couples, they could be each other's, not, not disciplinarians, but they could look out for each other. Uh, number five, training teens focuses on a biblical conversion experience. In other words, your child, your teenager needs to be saved. And I know that's an obvious one, but a lot of times we assume uh, we, they're three or four years old and we rush them to the altar and we, and we lead them through a prayer and we're excited and we take them out to ice cream and we're happy for them. But it's, this is a, such a common story amongst Christians. And in fact, this became real to me when I was in, I was in high school and I went to, well, I was homeschooled, but I'd like to say I went to a school because my, my, uh, my school was on DVD and they would send us our DVD. We did the Abeka program and the kids sit in assigned seating, so I knew all the kids' names by heart. I felt like I was in the class, you know, like that was my, my crew, even though the, it had been videoed like 10 years prior. So they were all like, you know, married with children at the time I was watching it. But I remember we had testimony time, and one by one these kids would come up, and I would say at least 90% of the class, there was about maybe 40 kids in the classroom, almost 90% said, when I was three or four, my parents led me into a prayer. But it wasn't until I was 10 or 11 or 16 years old when I really understood what salvation truly was. That was like everyone's story, and that's my story. And a lot of times we rush our children into salvation, and we, we don't wait to see the fruit in their life. So make sure your child is safe. A lot of times that's what they, they go astray and they do things because they never really have God in their life in the first place. So number five is a very, very important one. Uh, number six, we talked about training teens requires that parents spend a lot of time with them. And like I said, these sound obvious, and I hope they are obvious. But many times they need to be restated. Spend time. This helps to keep their hearts, to gain their hearts. Spend quality time with them. Uh, Watching a movie with them at night is not quality time. Not every night. Number seven, training teens means means the parents must fill the home with God's Word. God's Word must be in the home constantly. If uh, the only time your parents or your, your kids hear God's Word 
is at church, then there's a problem. They need to have God's Word in the home. The home needs to be the primary place where they learn about God, not church. It needs to be in the home, from mom, from dad. I love it when a kid will say, Oh, I learned that, I learned that in our devotions yesterday. Or, yeah, my dad taught me that a couple of weeks ago. That's the greatest answer I want to hear in junior church, is, Oh, my dad taught me that one. But I, I fear most of our most kids learn what they do is from church, which is not bad. Church is a place to learn about God, but it needs to be also from the home. Number eight, training teens means the parents must maintain close supervision of their children. And I think this is where we left off last week. So I'll go through this one uh, step by step once again. So training teens means the parents must maintain close supervision of their children and know what they are doing. There's a verse here, Proverbs chapter 29. So if you have your Bible, let's turn to Proverbs chapter 29. Proverbs chapter 29. Proverbs 29. Close to the middle of your Bible there. Proverbs 29. Uh, verse 15, Proverbs 29, verse 15, the Bible says, The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. So a child left to himself. Our children need to be supervised. They need to be looked after. Even if we consider them good children, if you leave them alone too long, it will bring, it's, verse says, bring your mother to shame. Now parents must lovingly and jealously oversee everything their children do. Their education, their entertainment, their friends, they must know what is happening in their children's lives and hearts. You have to be nosy. And you have to be. And I, I don't know how many times I've told the teens in there, if your parents come and ask you, hey, can I see your phone? You better give, you, you better, you better give them their, your phone. If you don't, if you pull one of these, well, uh, you're, that's my privacy. No, no, that's your parents' responsibility to know because your parents have to give an you have to give an account for your kids someday. You stand before God, and anything your kids are involved in, that's going to fall back on the parents to some extent. So it is your responsibility to know what your kids are doing. And I've been telling the teens that, and I'm going to continue to do it. And I've got a whole lesson at camp. I'm excited about it. Anyway, parents must be next. Must be exceedingly careful about their children's friends. I can't stress this one enough. Parents must be exceedingly careful about, and I think I already talked about this two weeks ago, but they must be, you must know your children's friends. You must. The majority of teens that end up going astray, even good teens, it, it goes back to their friends. They're at school and they hook up with the friends and the rest is history. Sometimes the parents have no clue and maybe they gave them that their leash is too long. I don't know what happened, but friends is a major thing. Parents, you must know. Um, and one way kids make friends now is through their phone. And a lot of times they make friends with people they don't even know. They've never even seen before. Or they think they know based on the pictures that they, they post. But that could be a 40-year-old man for all we know. And that kind of a thing is getting more and more uh, prominent in our society. And even though technology and these new apps coming out, they're trying to find ways to prevent that from happening. But you'll never be able to prevent that from happening. Where there's, where there's a will, there's always a way, especially when it comes to sin. 
Uh, next, we talked about even relationships with relatives, such as grandparents, aunts, uncles, and cousins, must be carefully guarded. So you must know, and even if you have unsaved family and friends, you've got you you to watch out for your kids. Parents must maintain this supervision until the child enters adulthood. As long as they're under your roof, uh, you have to know what's going on in your kid's life. And even after they move out, it's okay to still be nosy. You, still, you, gotta, you have to let them be adults, of course. But you're still their parents, and it's okay to, to check up on them, make sure they're okay. Parents must help the young people make the right decisions about job and education. They must help them make the right decision about job and education. It's your responsibility to push our children towards Christ, to make sure that the job they have is the job that God wants, not the job that you want. You have to make sure that it's the job that not even they want, but that they're seeking the Lord's help. Uh, There's two subpoints under this. They have gotten the wrong job. Many times teens go astray because they get the wrong job. They're in high school and they land a job and all of a sudden they're required to work on Sundays. And you let them do it. That's a problem. If, your kids, if you let your kids miss out on church, you're showing them that that's not as important to you. Making money is more important. Establishing your career. Getting that resume. A lot of times jobs take your teenagers out of, out of God's will and, and astray. And also, number two, they, our teens have pursued the wrong type of education. We've allowed them to pursue the wrong education when perhaps that wasn't God's will in the first place. So we need to keep these things in consideration and let God speak to them. And you can't be a stumbling block and you need to make sure your kids are doing what God has them to do. And you can't force your kids to serve God, but you need, you need to make sure that you're not hindering them from doing so. And you still need to be the parent when it comes to these things. Okay, number, what are we, oh, we're still continuing here. Parents must know enough about technology to help and protect the children. And I believe this is where we left off last week. Parents must know enough about technology to help and protect the children. Now, if, you, if this is your first time grabbing a phone, you will never, ever catch up. You can't. Uh, even if you've had a phone for 10 years, you have a full-time job, you come home and you've got to take care of your kids, you don't have time to keep up with technology. So I, when I'm, not, I'm not talking about you need to be an expert. You need to watch every, uh, every Google or every uh, Apple uh, seminar. What's that thing called? The, the seminar, right? Is that what it's called, Devian? What is it? Uh, TED Talk, something like that. They have like these big seminars where the new ISO, this is what the new iPhone's going to do. You don't have to watch all that stuff. You don't have time for that. So what I'm saying is you need to just know enough. Enough. And I'm going to help you know enough. That's what this, this is about. There are so many testimonies I have written here that we're not going to go through of people who, who don't really know a lot about technology, but they just know enough to monitor enough to keep up with their kids, enough to at least, at least be doing something on your part. And you need to start this as soon as your kids are old enough to know how to turn on your phone. They know, they, they, they know the password to your phone. The average two-year-old knows how to open their mom and dad's phone. And they know how to access stuff. And to me, that's, that's scary if that's the case. And we need, as soon as your kid is able to do that, you have to start monitoring, monitoring them right then and there. When they're one, when they're two, when they're three years old. Don't wait till they're 13. It'll be way too late. 
And uh, there are some things you must understand too about phones and apps. And one main thing is that there are, there's really two kinds, I guess three kinds of apps you need to really be cautious about. And one of them is uh, private slash hidden apps. And this is a thing, this, this was, this is more understood today. I think it was about 2014 or something is when parents for the first time realized that there are hidden apps on your phone. And literally, I think Apple was the first one to really make this something. But you could have an ordinary app on your phone and you could just hide it. So if you're just swiping through it, parents would never see it. And so there are hidden apps on phones. There are also, there are also um, there's apps that look like common everyday apps, but are not. And I think it was 2014 when, when uh, parents' outrage broke out. There was this app, that was the calculator app. It's still around, and uh, most of you probably know what I'm talking about. But there was, it's on your phone, and it's, it's called calculator. And it's got numbers on it, so it looks just like a calculator app. And when you click on the app, it's a calculator. But if you type in the secret four-letter combination, now it's, in, now it's something else. Now it's a place to store all your hidden, your, your photos and your videos and your files. And it, but nobody would suspect that because it just says calculator. And I'm sure they have other ones. I know they have a whole bunch more now. But uh, that specific one, it said calculator and then there was a percentage sign right after it. And that was, the, that was the clue for parents. If your teens had calculator with a percentage sign after it, that was a big oh no. You gotta get that off their phone. Um, so there's private hidden apps you gotta be careful with. There's other apps that are, we can I'll classify them as anonymous or chat, chatting apps. And there are so many that I was gonna show you a list and show you a PowerPoint, but there's just too many. It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't even really matter because I'll explain an easier way to get around this. But basically, there's a lot of apps out there where kids can anonymous, anonymously chat with other people around the world. And the apps in themselves aren't trying to harm your children, but in doing so, your children can be anonymous and they can send messages to strangers. And while they're doing so, this is an easy time for a little kid, especially to slip an address, to slip this, to slip that, to slip a location. And before you know it, that stranger knows exactly where your kids are. And this is a huge problem with anonymous or just apps that allow chatting. Obviously, Facebook is the number one for, with messaging. And um, Snapchat especially, they have feature, a new feature now where you can, uh, I don't know what it's called, it's a location where you could actually know some, where someone is almost like to the street, it's alive. So not like, oh, this person was there two hours ago. It's like, oh, this person's on the street right now. So you can turn that off, but uh, if you don't turn it off, it's just gonna be on there. And that's something you have to be very careful. Actually, we were playing, we were at, uh, was it Friday? Where's Waldo? We were doing a Where's Waldo activity. And somebody, and what we did is we had leaders hiding all, all over the place and the teens had to go find him. And one of the leaders said, oh, turn off your, was it turn off your location on Snapchat? Because the teens can see exactly where you are. And even, you can even play hide and go seek now if you have your phone in your pocket, because we'll know where you are. So obviously location stuff, I don't think I need to stress that that should not be, you need to, uh, if a stranger can see exactly where your kid is, that's obviously gonna be a problem. I hope you understand that. So just be careful with anonymous with these chatting apps. And, um, and instead of 
instead of me going through a list of five million apps that you need to be careful about, uh, here's two things for you, okay? And I'll go more in detail two weeks from now on how to further protect your kids. But here's two, two freebies for you right here. What you can do is you can go on your child's phone and you can, you could either take a screenshot of his, uh, of the, all the apps that he has. If you don't know how to do that, then you can simply go on their phone and just write down the apps, the name of the apps. And then later on, just go on to a Google Play store or the store that you would download the apps from and just check them. Just say, okay, well, what is this app? And you type it into Google Play and it'll come up, make sure the icons are, are the same, they look the same. And then the, 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 the downloading ad will just explain everything that the app does. Oh, this is an app where you can chat anonymously with people around the world. Oh, <laughs> all right, we're deleting that one, okay? So that's, that's the simplest way of doing it. Um, there's also, you can, right now, you can go on Google, don't do it right now, but you can. You can just type in something like this, um, apps parents should know about, 2018. Uh, something like that. And there are a score of good resources out there, not even Christian related. These are secular people who are worried about their kids. Okay, It's not just us, but there's a large, every parent is concerned about their kid. But sometimes we just don't think about how easily accessible it is through the phone. So you could even just go, and I was going to give you a list, but there's so many of them that are so helpful. Even if you went online and just said, apps parents should know about. And make sure you put 2018. Because if you don't, you can get one from like 20 years ago and apps don't matter anymore uh, 20 years ago. So make sure it's updated. But there's a lot and they're helpful. And some of them have newsletters you could sign up for. And every time a new app or a bad app comes up, you'll get an email. It'll say, make sure your teens don't have this or watch out for that. And there's a lot of helpful resources that are free, accessible for you. So keep these things in mind. And uh, I'll give you some more details in a couple weeks from now. But this is some things for you to get started on if you, if you aren't already looking into your child's phones and just making sure that everything is safe and sound. Um, uh, next here, to find such apps, parents would need to make a list, oh, I already said this, a list of all apps on their child's phone, then visit the app store to read the description for each one. So I already said that, but that's it right there in your notes. So you can write them down and then you can read the description for each one. So that's a very simple way of doing it. And in fact, uh, iPhones or even Androids, some apps can be hidden and you can Google hide app on iPhone and you can, uh, you can and it'll show you how you could, if there are anything hidden, it'll show you how to make them seen. So the internet can, uh, can help you on this. It'll show you for each device that you have. So I don't, um, it's, it's actually quite simple how to do it. So these are just some things that you can do. And I am assuming that most don't have anything hidden on their phones, but assuming it sometimes is the first, the first mistake we make. So the key to making close parental oversight work is to maintain a close and loving relationship with your child. To keep his heart and not allow some foreign influences to enter in and steal them away from God. So um, this is a very important one and keep these things in mind. Number nine, training teens requires consistent Christian living. Training teens requires consistent Christian living. Titus chapter 2 and verse 7 says, In all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works, 
in doctrine, showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity. Through inconsistent Christian living and hypocrisy, a parent can destroy the good done by a church. Parent, what is, what is your example? What are your Bible study habits? What are your prayer study habits? If you're not living for God, you can't expect your kids to do, to do good. If you're acting good at church and your kids know when you go home, you're the different dad you were when you were at church. They're going to see an inconsistent life and that's, going to, that's a common uh, recipe to breed rebellion, to breed, to breed sin to come in their life. Because I don't see that you care too much about it. So this is going to require consistent Christian living on your part as well. To show them. A lot of these things I'm, I'm explaining to you about getting filters and these things on your phone. Don't just make your kid do it, but do it with them. Do it as a team. Work together. And this is how families can, you, you as parents can keep your kids' hearts. What is your Christian attitude and demeanor? What about your devotion to Christ? Your separation from the world? What do you use? Uh, what, what is your use on the internet? What, is, uh, what about your Facebook and your music and your reading material? What, about, what, is, what do you do in your spare time? What is your passion in life? And what are, your, what are you modeling your children after? These are questions that you need to ask yourself if you're wanting your kid to live for God or your kid to come out good. You've got to be good too. You've got to live for God yourself. This isn't a one-way uh, one sermon here. Number 10, training teens requires openness. Openness. Or marriage seminar, transparency. We have to learn to be open with each other. And obviously, if, if your kid isn't open with you, and he's, he's one to hold secrets, then chances are there's something on his phone. And training teens requires openness. Bible says in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, many of you know this verse, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. James chapter 5, verse 16, confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Now we're going to talk about prayer in just a second. But some sins are private and should be confessed to God privately. But some sins are public, should be confessed, confessed publicly. And it's okay, parents, if, if, you, if, you, if we, you mess up, if I mess up, it's okay to admit that to your kids. To admit, look, I messed up, I shouldn't have done that, I'm sorry, I'm wrong. Because you want your kids to do the same thing to you, right? You want your kids to come up to you one day and say, Dad, you know, I messed up and I've had this thing on my phone and I just want you to know, so, I'm so sorry. And you want, if you want your kids to be open with you, you're going to have to be open with them. And we need to, it's a, it's a two-way street. When you sin before the family, confess it to God and then ask your family to forgive you and pray with them. Have them pray with you and seek God's help to change. When a parent realizes that he has not taught the children properly or he has not had the right rules or he has been acting unwisely in some way in regards to the family, it's okay to admit that and then change the course of your family. It, it, it may be hard to, bring, to have a family meeting and say, 
uh, we're going to have some new rules around here. And instead of bringing your fist down, you may want to consider doing it easily and say, I've been messing up as a dad. I've been messing up as a mom. We haven't been monitoring some things. I haven't been, I haven't been watching some things like I should be. And I want to apologize for that. And because of that, there's going to be some changes in the family. And make it clear, make it known, but make it, make it passionate, make it with love. And do it with the family. So training teens, it requires openness. There needs to be transparency if we're going to conquer this, this media, this internet technology that we live in. Number 11, training teens requires much patience. Patience. Training teens requires much patience. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 9 says, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. In Lamentations 3 and verse 25, it says, The Lord is good unto them that wait for him, to the soul that seeketh him, Verse 26, it is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. Patience and persistence are two of the most important elements in the Christian life. Christian parents must trust God and not give up. They must keep on doing the right thing no matter what happens. No matter how dark things might look at the moment. Many grow weary in well-doing and give up, which, in, which is unbelief and disobedience. We must stay patient. The first reason we, we do right is to please God, regardless of what happens in this present world. We must remember that salvation and consecration cannot be forced and that these things take time. If you are now starting a new rule in your family, you can't expect openness to start that day if it hadn't been there previously. You can't expect everything just to go wonderfully just because you, f you see the problem and you see the need now for a change. Your kids may not see that right away. So it takes patience. It takes time, but don't back down. Stay firm, but do it with, in patience. Do it in love. If you, if you were to find that your kids were doing something on their phones, maybe they were looking at something or they had an app that, you, that uh, someone told you your kid shouldn't have. If you blow up and you grab their phone and throw it out the window and step on it and you say you're never going to look at the internet again and you, you, know, you outrage, that's not going to help solve the problem. Patience, love, sincerity. A lot of times too, kids, they may have an app that isn't maybe that good and sometimes they may have it in ignorance, especially a younger kid. Maybe they saw their friend have it and they downloaded it and they were using it to chat with their friends and in ignorance, not realizing the potential danger of it. So blowing up in that case would do more harm than good. So consider having patience if there is a problem that does arise in the home. Be patient and seek God's help. It's okay. I remember the day when, and I've explained my story already, when I was 17 and I started looking at stuff I shouldn't be looking at. And it started with a TV commercial, if you remember my story, and it got into worse. It got into the internet stuff, and I, would, I, I, was, I was involved in this. And the day when I came to my dad, I told my dad, and I was, I was in tears because the Holy Spirit was just gnawing at me, at my soul. And when I finally broke down and came to my dad and explained what I'd been doing at night on the internet, the things I'd been looking at, 
My dad didn't flip the bed over. You know, he didn't throw me out the window. He didn't get outraged. You know what my dad did? Probably something that made me feel even more guilty. My dad started crying with me. I've never, I've seen my dad cry two times in my whole life. And once was when we, we were on deputation and my mom was eight months pregnant and we, we flew a couple states away for a one, or a two night missions conference. And as soon as we landed, my mom with our, our there, my fifth sibling, I think, who was our fir- my, the first girl in our family, the first daughter, first my first, anyway, you know what I'm talking about. It was the first one, as soon as we landed in Arkansas, my mom went into labor. And it was the only birth that my dad missed. And she came a couple weeks early, and it wasn't supposed to happen. And that was the first time I ever saw my dad cry. He was on the phone with my mom's best friend who was there. And she was, you know, my dad was on the phone the whole time it was happening. And that's, that's, that's heartbreaking. And he missed it. That was the first time, second time I ever saw him cry was when I told him what I was doing. And he cried with me. And he wasn't mad at me, which was weird. And I knew better. But he wasn't mad at me. Guess who he was mad at? He was mad at himself. That's why he was crying, because he allowed it to happen. And he hugged me, and he said, Tim, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have let that happen. I shouldn't have let your heart go astray. And I'm sorry that you didn't come to me earlier. And he almost felt like it was his fault that I didn't come. I didn't come to him because we have a good transparent relationship. I didn't come to him because I was ashamed. (laughs) But I should have come to him earlier. And we cried together. And man, that was not a harmful meeting. That was a healing meeting right there. And of course, the next day, my dad destroyed everything that was connected to the internet. And uh, we basically lived in under a rock for a couple of months. And then we allowed cable to come back in. And, um, but that, that was a different story. But patience is the key. Patience. Number 12. Training teens requires an effectual prayer life. Training teens requires an effectual prayer life. We read James 5.16, Confess your faults one to another, like a family. Confess them. Pray for one another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Confessing sins heals you, and the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man will prolong your forgiveness. It will allow you to go without having to go back and fall back on that sin. Your relationship with God is what will keep you away from that sin. You confess, you admit you're wrong, and then you turn around and that prayer will keep your eyes on Christ and distance you away from that sin. You can conquer sin. You can. But you can't do it by yourself. You can only do it through God and through His power. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man. If you could, we're going to turn to, uh, I think this was the last verse here. But look at Job. Job chapter 1. Job chapter 1. In verse 5. Job chapter 1, verse 5. It says, and it was so, I'll give you another second there, Job chapter 1, verse 5, 
And it was so, when the days of their feasting were gone about, that Job sent and sanctified them, rose up early in the morning, and offered burnt offerings, according to the number of them all. He's talking about his family. For Job said, It may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus did Job continually. Job got up every morning, and he prayed for his family. He sacrificed for them. He did his part. He did what he could. He realized that getting a hold of God was what was going to keep his family together. This was a habit of Job. Pray and intercede daily and continually and earnestly for your children and grandchildren. This is what Job did. The father and mother must pray separately and together. So together is important, but also separately. Have a, your own individual personal relationship with God. There's other verses we can talk about. 1 Peter 3.7, Colossians 3.19. The victory over bitterness is love. Treat one another kindly, with love, with respect. Help them to understand the situations they may be in. And do it with love. Yelling and screaming, that never accomplishes anything. But love, love conquers, love conquers all. So training teens requires an effectual prayer life. Number 13, training teens requires teaching them principles of spiritual protection. Training teens requires teaching them principles of spiritual protection. So it's not enough to establish and enforce rules and then leave it at that. Rule number one, listen to me. Rule number two, listen to your mother. Rule number three, never listen to yourself. You can make up these rules in your home. You have to be back. And rules are good. You need rules and regulations. But rules without principles oftentimes do more harm than good. It's not enough to establish and enforce rules. We must teach Bible principles that can be applied to every situation. When it comes to changing your dress style, if you just tell your teens, uh, I don't want you wearing that. Why? Uh, Because I said so. Okay, now your teen, according to the Bible, should still obey you. And they, and they may, but they're going to come to a point where they're going to go, why? Like, what's the point? And if there's no biblical reason behind it, their chances are they're going to they're gonna, they're gonna do exactly what the opposite is. Not even necessarily because it's wrong or it's right, but they were, it's never properly explained to them in the first place. When it comes to the internet, to the phone, explain biblically why you're protecting them. Oh, they may not like it at first. If you do it when they're young, they won't really know any different. But make sure there's biblical principles behind it. And even when it comes to changing your music styles, there needs to be a biblical principle behind it. Changing uh, any everyday situation. Changing the world of electronics is a big one too. So making sure that the Bible is behind what it is that we're teaching. We must teach young people how to make their own Bible-based rules. And that's one of the things we're going to be doing on Wednesday nights is where our series is called Establishing Biblical Principles. And that's kind of our, our theme for the youth group is purposed teens. But Daniel purposed in his heart. Daniel was a teenager, and he already had it in his heart that he was going to make decisions based upon what God would have him to do. Isn't that what you want for your teenager? <laughs> to make mature decisions based upon what God would want him to do? That's what Daniel did. He purposed. He had a conviction in his heart that he was going to serve God. And we need to teach our, our teens to do that. Now, I can do that, but I get them an hour a week on Wednesday night. But you get them all throughout the week 
That's your job, to teach them biblical principles. To teach them, before they make a decision, oh, you know what? I wonder if there's a first about that. You know, I, wonder, I, wonder, I like that style of dress, but I wonder if there's something in the Bible about that. But that's mature. That's how it should be. So teaching our children biblical principles from God's Word. The culture we live in. We can establish a list of do's and don'ts about clothing, about music, about standards, but there needs to be Bible principles behind them to allow them to know why it is right and why it is wrong. So training teens requires teaching them principles of spiritual protection. Number 14, training teens requires a good church. A good church. Boy, you could teach them all you want at home and you, you send them to a church that teaches contrary. And there's a lot of churches out there you've got to be very careful about. So it requires a good... We're not going to elaborate on this, but First uh, Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15 says, But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. The Bible presents children discipleship as a package. It requires creating the proper spiritual environment for your kids. And you want to make sure that the church, and obviously I'm not going to elaborate on this because uh, this, is, this is a church that preaches the Bible, preaches God's Word. And it's important that our, your kids may stay in church. If you prioritize vacations over church, that's going to be a problem. Well, kids, uh, we're gonna we're gonna uh, we're gonna go away this weekend, and if you've got no plan for church, and if you take them away from church, you're ch you're showing them well. Church is important most of the time, but not all the time. There are times where church isn't necessary. Church needs to be a priority. It needs to be something, and not just any church. Oh, we want to go on vacation here. Well, it's not really any good church, is it? Well, that one will do. It'll be fine. It only takes one, one, one time, especially for a young kid, to get the wrong, wrong thing said for him to believe something. Good church is a requirement 100% of the time. So don't settle. But make sure you are where you are. You are. I, I love it. Uh, even Lance. He's in Dublin, and God allowed him to find a good church. And he's, he's in that church. And he's, even when he travels elsewhere, he's seen the missionaries. And that's, that's what it should be. Number 15, training teens requires building a hedge of protection around them. Training teens requires building a hedge of protection around them. Proverbs chapter 27 and verse 12. This is our last verse we'll turn to right here. So if you could turn to Proverbs 27, verse 12. Proverbs 27, verse 12. Bible says, Proverbs 27, 12, A prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. It is the responsibility of the parents to look ahead in the future and try to foresee the evil and build a wall so that that evil does not penetrate. The simple parent, the simple Christian, will, will not take their time to look ahead and see the evil, and then when the evil comes, it's too late. It's already in the home. 
It is your responsibility to protect and to look ahead in the future to see that evil. Now, this last point here, number 15, comes with, and this is how we're going to end our series next in two weeks from now. The title is 12 Protections. The 12, 12, uh, 12 Ways to Protect Our Teenagers. And this all falls under this last point here, number 15. There's basically 12 hedges of protection that you can use around your family to protect them in this day. And a lot of what I've been telling you up to this point is a lot of biblical principles on just raising a family. But these last 12 principles are specifically related to the mobile phone, the internet, and how you can set up these specific hedges around your home to protect your children from falling into sin. Sometimes out of ignorance, but sometimes out of rebellion. There's many different reasons why. Uh, this is so you don't want to miss two weeks from now but understand this there is a great difference between today and the time when you were a kid maybe when you were a kid the hedge of protection consisted of guarding the television or keeping the kids from maybe the, the theater or keeping the kids from befriending the wrong friends or keeping uh, maybe bad magazines out of your kids' hands. And these are still things you need to you know, watch out for today. But today, the, the age of protection, it's, it's different. It's transformed. It's something even beyond what we can 100% control. And that's one reason why we talked about keeping your kids' heart and praying for them. Because I can give you as, as many details as I want and as many guidelines and techniques on how to monitor and protect your kids. But if your kids have it in their heart to find sin, they'll hide it from you. They'll find ways. You'll always be a step behind. But if you have their hearts, and if your kid is saved, and you're transparent with them, and there's a loving relationship there, then, then, all you then setting up biblical principles and keeping that transparency, it's going to be a lot easier. And good kids won't try to go around their parents. And you won't have to worry about them at night. So today, the internet and the smartphone have changed things dramatically. They changed the way that we have to protect our family. And a child doesn't have to try to find a magazine anymore. He just has to do one click of the button, and he's far surpassed what a magazine could have given 10, 20, 30 years ago. So don't miss out two weeks from now as we close, and we, we close our series with 12 ways to protect our children. In this, in this modern age that we live in. So with that, I'd like to pray and turn this service over back to Pastor.